it's my real privilege to actually introduce DJ Forbes uh, this morning. Absolutely fantastic to have him here to come and speak for us. And uh, for those who don't know DJ Forbes, he is absolutely one of the legends in uh, New Zealand uh, rugby sevens and in New Zealand sports people. Um, he's captained All Black Sevens for years, probably through the most successful years of their history. He won six World Cups uh, sevens series titles which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, one gold and one silver Commonwealth Games medals. The IRB International Seven Player of the Year 2008. Come on. The uh, 2008 New Zealand Samoa Sports Person of the Year. Come on. And uh, the most capped player in the World Sevens Rugby history. Come on. And how do you get all that? And plus be an all-round nice guy. And, uh, <laughs> Well, I'll ask you around, hey, Pacific Sunday, who do we have to speak? And uh, your name kept coming up as a man of integrity, a man who loves Jesus, a man who can speak well and um, carries that mana. And so it's absolute privilege to have you here this morning. So I'm going to hand over to you. Come on, give DJ a hand. Thank you. Um, you kind of stole my thunder there with my uh, credentials. I don't have to say too much now. Uh, I guess... All those kind of details really kind of say that I'm kind of old. Um, I'm obviously 38 this year, so I was probably one of the oldest players uh, playing footy when I was still playing. Uh, I retired when I was 34. Um, but yeah, for those who don't know, obviously my uh, name by birth is actually um, Derek Forbes. So I think when I was growing up, um, I didn't respond to Derek. Um, my brother started calling me by my initials, so my middle name is Jamie. Um, that kind of stuck, and that was the only reason I started answering to DJ. So no one actually knows me as Derek, but um, when I look back now, it probably wasn't cool enough to be called uh, Derek Forbes. You know, getting all these accolades and all the things you're talking about, um, DJ kind of stuck to me. So you know, that's uh, our little secret. Um, obviously, I brought my family here, so I got my lovely wife in the back, Lisa. I got Sarai and my little daughter and my son Titus. Um, and I guess uh, looking back and seeing what's happening today, it's it's a real privilege for me because I'm a I'm a I'm a half caste. My wife is a half caste, but I'm a proud Samoan. She's a proud Cook Islander. So awesome seeing the drums here. Um, funny enough, I actually used to perform in a cultural group as well. So I do the if anyone knows the Sivafi, which is the Samoan fire dance. Um, I'm trying to get my boy to pick up that tradition and do that, so he's practicing now so he can spin a stick and hopefully he'll be spinning fire soon. I've got through the fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a bit, it's a bit light at the moment, so um, yeah, only <laughs> And then um, obviously my daughter, you know, um, shaking her hips away and you know, hearing the drums, yeah, that's so uh, really, I'm honored to be able to be a part of this uh, Pacific Sunday, so thanks for the invitation again. Um, yeah, so I guess for those who don't know, obviously, pretty much I'm DJ the footy player. Everyone that sort of sees me, the bald head and the beard is kind of stuck. Um, people know that I was just yeah, either a, a sevens icon. Um, I played my 15s rugby debut for Auckland in 06, um, but actually spent all my time, I think six years, playing for Counties Manukau. So um, a lot of people affiliate you know, my growing up in terms of South Auckland, but I was born and raised out of West Auckland. I'm still out in West Auckland, but I love coming out South. Um, I've got a lot of time for South Auckland. I want to see our PI people out in South Auckland, you know, um, aspiring and aspiring you know, generations to come. So um, again, you know, having the opportunity to share some of my story, um, you know, I, I, I take it as a, a high honor um, to hopefully instill some some values and some things I picked up along the way, and also share about my, my walk with Jesus. So. Um, Trying to take it right back to the beginning for me. I guess I was your typical rugby player. 
um, I had dreams. I ate wheat bix like they told me to eat. Uh, that's what you used to do to become an All Black. Um, and as, uh, as time sort of you know carried on, I did all the things that I guess a lot of our, our young kids, our teenagers here would do. Um, I like to follow the crowd, you know, for hanging out at the mall or hanging out at shops and things like that. I did all that stuff um, because that was, you know, what we thought was cool back then. We just followed the crowd. We wanted to be doing what everyone else was doing. No one wanted to be different back then. And so for me growing up, um, it was one of those things where I played rugby because my mates played rugby. You know, I played rugby to have fun, to hang out with my mates, um, to tell stories, to, you know, build all those memories, things that you talk about. And that was really awesome. Um, but I kind of got to a stage where through my journey, um, there were a lot of times when I'd miss out on teams and I sort of, you know, chuck my toys, think, oh, you know, I'm better than this guy, how come the coach is not picking me? Things that you, you know, in the world you typically do. If you're, if you're not getting what you want, you're always going to find a reason or find someone to, to point the blame at or to find an excuse. So I, I, I played a lot of rugby. I was a journeyman, what they call in rugby, is I went around to different unions, uh, different provinces, trying to get that next step to, to hopefully, you know, start my, my all-black dream. And uh, for a long time, I was just, you know, I kept tripping over. Like, it was either missing out on, on selection, it might have been injuries. Um, you know, there was all these, all, these, all, all these things that I couldn't really uh, figure out why they kept happening to me. And so, you know, as, as you do, you just keep playing, playing footy and, and keep hoping for that dream. And I guess, um, you know, to cut a long story short, I kind of feel a little bit bad because uh, it's hard to follow. Um, you know, before, before like that, I, I thought they were going to do the, you know, the cook and the, the cultural thing is to get someone up from the crowd, so I thought they were going to be pulling people out of the... I did it last year, okay, cool. <laughs> it's a hard act to follow. Call them back if you want to dance. No, yeah. I was going to dance in on the way in. But, um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I guess I kind of got to that point in my life where I was, I was really trying to look for um, that next thing. You know, what, what was I, what was... What I was seeking in rugby, um, in terms of just fulfilling my dream, you know, I sort of needed something else to fill that gap because rugby just continued to fail me. As much as I was trying, trying, trying to do my own thing, rugby kept uh, yeah, disappointing me. And whether it was for my own reasons or other people better than me, then you know, so be it, that was, that was fine. But um, it was, I think, uh, 06, uh, or maybe 05, 2005, where, um, long story short, I had a, a, some cousins that I really looked up to. And, um, they, they had a little Bible study group going. And I always wondered why my cousin was always happy and he was always, you know, every time, like, we both played rugby and, you know, it, every time I just, I just always felt a good energy from him. And again, being a cousin that I looked up to, I sort of wanted to know what he was up to. And he obviously told me that oh, I've got a group of cousins and friends that, you know, we just talk about Jesus and we hang out. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounded cool. Didn't really think too much of it. But as time went on, you know, he would still, I still, you know, hang out his cousins and he would always have this energy about him and always, you know, just being real supportive and things like that. And eventually, um, you know, I did the, the typical, oh, can I, you know, come check out what, you, what you've been up to? And went to a Bible study group, really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I guess for me it was, again, I was kind of following him because it was, you know, he was, he was doing something that I liked. Um, Probably wasn't doing it for my own reasons, but I knew that he had something that I wanted. I wanted to have that, that enjoyment, that fulfillment. Um, so again, you know, probably in my own um, clumsiness, I was sort of like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do what he's doing. So I think, you know, that might be good for me. And so I um, started going to Bible study group and, you know, learning about, about Jesus and, um, you know, things I should be doing that I'm currently doing that I shouldn't be doing and things like that. Um, and if I can, I'll just quickly jump in. So my, my wife today, um, at the time, was uh, my, my, my first girlfriend. Um, and so, <laughs> the, the, the story goes, 
when I decided to actually give my life that year after going to Bible studies, I actually said to my, my wife, my girlfriend back then, that, oh, actually, we can't be together. And uh, she was like, you know, well, what's, what, what's all this stuff? Why, why this? Why that? I said, well, you know, the Bible says that we, we can't be doing some of the things that we're doing. And so I thought, oh, you know, well, you know that was, she was my temptation back then. So I was like, okay, hey, we, we, this, this is not right. We, you know, God says we have to try and do it this way. Anyway, just, just trying to, you know, speed things up. Um, so we, we, we split up. So you know, I was with, 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 together for like 18 months, close to two years, you know, high school sweethearts and things like that. Uh, actually broke up. And then so I went about my way chasing, you know, chasing Jesus and, and trying to do things according to his will. And um, sure enough, like uh, probably a lot, of, a lot of early or young Christians, um, I started backsliding. So I went back to my worldly ways, um, doing the things of, of this world, you know, uh, drinking with my boys and, and doing silly things. Anyway, uh, bumped into her a few years later, um, just on, on the road. I changed my whole image, and I had dreads and all this other stuff. And I was like, you know, driving along, and I actually saw her on the road and gave her the tick, pulled over, to see, you know, how things going, and, you know, just say hi. Sure enough, uh, a few months later, we ended up getting back together again. Nice. And then uh, the whole story's reversed. So uh, she started following Jesus, she gave her life. Um, a, a few sort of, you know, months into her walk, She's giving me the ultimatum. <laughs> and I was like sitting there going far out, like you know, like just the way the way God was working. And this was in my early my early Christian you know, walk and, and, and her walk. And just sort of thinking back and going, well, you know, I had a taste of Jesus. I had a taste of this you know this um, this new life. Um, you know, fell back into my own ways. And then obviously, yeah. So here I am. You know, and she's telling me, well, you need to you know give your life, recommit, give your life again sort out your you know your stuff and, and so anyway long story short we both obviously recommitted you know and we've been been walking ever since but if i take it back to the the, the rugby side of, of my journey in uh, 05 when i you know gave my life and recommitted um because my my wife told me to um <laughs> no no because i wanted to and uh, I, when i gave my life um all the doors for my rugby started you know to open and, and i'm not saying that because of uh, you know, when you when you give your life, everything's gonna be, like that song. That worship song was awesome. You know, there's gonna be peace. God will say there'll be peace, but there will be suffering. There'll be there'll be struggles along the way. There'll be adversity. You know, like in, in my sense, in rugby, there was injuries. There was yeah, missing out on teams. There was the works. But what I can say is that in uh, 05 when I recommitted, uh, all the doors that I was trying to open in my own my own will for my own reasons that I couldn't open. God just opened like that. And so I went from being a club footy player, you know, like I said, playing rugby on the weekends to have, you know, just to hang out with my mates, um, to being asked to play for Auckland. Um, seven side, this was when Eric Rush was coaching. Made that team, so I'm straight from club rugby to a, a provincial side. We go down to Queenstown, we win the Queenstown Nationals. That, you know, after the way it worked back then, after Nationals, um, there would be like a tournament team tournament team then gets asked to go to Gordon Titchens camp for the All Black Sevens. This is the, the following week. Um, we trial pretty much 30 of us just smashing each other for a week to try and get 12 spots to go and represent the All Black Sevens team. Um, and so a week later after winning the Nationals, you know, being my first time in um, Provincial Colours, um, my name gets called up to, um, you know, to represent, to, to play for the All Black Sevens team. And so that was awesome. I mean, I, in my wildest dreams, never thought, you know, I'd be in, in, in that position. Um, and then 
surely like I think six months into my time as a All Black Sevens player, um, I get a, a phone call one morning. Tishu calls me up, you know, comes to his uh, his room for for a chat, and I get into his his room and we we sit down. And he talks about how things are going. He's impressed with how I've been tracking, um, and then pretty much just drops it on me and says, "I want you to be my captain." And so again, if you you know, if I take it back to the years I was you know going around the the country trying to get into a team and then I you know get this opportunity to play for you know a seven side and then six months into my you know my, my time in the national team you know I've got one of the probably most respected sevens coaches in the world um, telling me that you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the captain for the team. And again you know, if you could remember I'm, I'm young in my, my walk while I've recommitted um, you know I've, I've seen all these blessings coming in um, and I guess that was kind of the first step that I had to take, um, you know, I, I guess with Jesus in mind, uh, with you know, my walk, knowing that even though I didn't really probably believe in my capabilities back then to be a, to be a good player, let alone a captain of a national side, um, I said, well, God, you know, you, you opened the door into this team. So I'm going to let you, you know, rule my life and do whatever um, you need to do in me. So I don't let this this coach down because right now he thinks that I'm the man for the job. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a little bit of help, um, being a, you know a young team and whatnot. And then fast forward, so I played for that team for 11 years, um, captained up for probably nine out of the 11. Um, we went to the you know couple con games, we went to, to Olympic games, uh, World Series, and we travel we travel the world. Um, but a lot of the things I picked up along the way, um, I think I can instill not just in, in life to be successful. But I think in my Christian walk, there's, a, there's an awesome parallel. So if I can share, um, I'm a big believer, I do a lot of corporate talking and I'm a big believer in acronyms. So um, the, the acronym is PAD. So if you think of a boxer and the focus pads that you usually see them hitting, so the word P-A-D-S. Um, so passion, P for passion, A for attitude, D for discipline, and S for sacrifice. So over my journey, you know, 11 years of playing, you know, these are some of the attributes that I, I believe in that will give you half a chance of achieving your goals in whatever you do. Um, but then also I'll quickly at the end try and um, relate it to my, 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 my Christian walk. So um, up until three years ago before I retired, rugby was my passion. Uh, I told you guys like, I, knew, I needed to find out what I was passionate about and so I was sort of stumbling along the way, but I knew once I sort of um, started, you know, putting work aside, putting family time aside to go and chase making these you know provincial teams i knew that this is what i was passionate about so if i can encourage anyone out there you, you need to find out what your what your passion is and i guess if you break it down a lot of people talk about what's your purpose what's our purpose on this earth um in rugby you hear the all blacks talking about it it's you know what's your why you know, every every morning you wake up you know why why are you getting out of bed you know what, what gets you out of bed you know for me that was it you know when i was playing rugby no matter how old i was or how sore i was or you know my kids my wife reason I got out of bed or the reason I traveled, the reason I left the country, you know, two weeks, three, three weeks at a time was because my passion was rugby. Um, and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I was willing to do whatever it took to, to fulfill that passion. So definitely P for passion. Um, again, P for what's your purpose or, you know, what's your why. So figuring out what your why is. Um, a for attitude. So that's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, um, it's quite easy in a, in a sporting environment to have a have a bad attitude or a good attitude, but the worst thing in sports is that a bad attitude for me actually affects everyone else. And you kind of get into this mindset where you think, oh, I've got a bad attitude, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a bit of a sook today, you know, poor me. Um, you know, you end up, you know, you don't get anything done, 
no productivity, but the, the harshest thing about that is that in a sporting environment, I'll see you being, being a super, I'll see you dropping your toys. So all of a sudden I'm feeling a bit down now because I'm looking at you. Then I start talking about you to my friend and all of a sudden it's like a virus in the team. Everyone now has a bad attitude because of me walking in that morning with, uh, you, know, you know, chucking my toys or with, uh, you know, dropping my lip. Um, at, a, at a younger level for some of our teens, you know, I know it's quite hard if your parents or if a teacher or someone told you to do this and do that and expect you to have the right attitude, but I think A, in terms of the A word, just the right action. So how, how, how often or how can you take the right actions in order to achieve, again, if we take it back, achieve your purpose for today or to, to do what you're passionate about. So whether it's, yeah, attitude is at the, 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 the higher end, you know, trying to have the right attitude every day is, is hard for everyone. You know, for the best of us. Um, but at that other level where you're chipping away, it's about you know taking the right actions or you know, what are you going to do? What actions are you going to take in order to achieve your purpose or your your passion? Um, D for discipline, or at that next level, um, decision making. And again, like you know, I look at my kids and I, there's no way that I could tell them this is what you're going to do today. You're going to do it. And I guarantee they won't do it. Um, but if I can say to them, you know. What decisions are you going to do? If I give them some rules, I hope that in their mind, my daughter's looking at me, I hope that in their mind, you know, 80% of the time, they're going to make the right decisions. You know, we can't expect them to be, you know, and, and, and I, we all grew up, we all went through those same things where it's impossible, you know, but it's about, so at that higher end, it's discipline for me was being a grown man, having a, you know, a family and getting told by another grown man that I can't have ice cream or chocolate cake with my dinner. You know, that, that was discipline for me when I was playing because of our nutrition. This is what Titch said, you know, so we'll have a, you know, a five-star hotel, all the, all the food. Every other country is eating hash browns and sausages and bacon and everything else, and it's all there for us. And then our, our coach will be looking over our shoulder, making sure that we're just having our you know, spaghetti and baked beans and eggs and toast, and that was all we were allowed. And that was him, and that was because of you know, what he said. Um, I guess if you look at it on the, on the other side, um, discipline would be like if I said to um, you know, with some young kids that are training to run around the field, you know, 10 times. If I was there, they'll probably run around the, the field 10 times if I said that it was going to help them achieve their goal. But if I said to them, go home and go find a local park and run around that park 10 times, whether they'll do it or not, is probably the difference between whether they're disciplined enough, you know, to go and chase their goals or whether they need that, you know, support. Both ways, it still works, but ultimately when you get to that next level, um, that discipline or that factor that actually you know, separates you know, the, the good from the great because for a long time when I was playing um, we didn't have you know, personal trainers, we didn't all live together like they do now we'd have all our teams spread across New Zealand and we get sent an email or sometimes back then it'll, it'll just be a letter, our program and we'll be told to go and do it and the only way you found out if you're doing that is when you turned up to camp and there was the testing and everything else that goes on and straight away you knew who did the program and who didn't and that was an easy way for Tish to find out. Um, so I guess, yeah, discipline is obviously doing things when people aren't watching. So it's quite easy, you know, you can, I can stand there and we can watch, teachers can watch, coaches can watch, bosses can watch. But when you go home and when it's your own time and what you're doing in your own time really determines how disciplined you are about achieving your goals. And if you take it back, it's just like a, it's like a, you know, a stepping system. So you'll, you'll be disciplined enough if you're passionate about what you're doing. It's as simple as that. You'll make the right decisions if you're actually passionate about what you're doing or if you know what your purpose is. But if you're going about your day sort of, oh, you know, and you actually, you actually know what your purpose is or you're not purposeful 
in what you're doing, then it's quite easy to sort of go, go astray. And obviously that last one is, is S for sacrifice. Um, for, for me, sacrifice was my family. So you know, they saw me either on the TV or you know, at the airport um, for a long time. So, but again, the only reason why I could probably you know, truly hand on heart say why I did it for so long was because obviously one, yeah, my wife let me, um, but because I was passionate about rugby and I was willing to sacrifice that time with my family because I knew what my purpose was, what, what God wanted me to do in that, in that time with that team. And so when I look back now, um, over those years, some of the things that, that really um, stood out for me was the culture that we changed in that team. So we sort of stepped in, um, me and two Fijian boys, um, they were the sort of young kids of the team and we really grew that team around the whole cultural aspect. Um, so Titch, I don't know whether he was a believer, but for the time that we were there, um, you know, we, we opened um, every tournament and closed every tournament with a prayer. Um, we, you know, we obviously he, he always got our, our jerseys blessed um, for every for every every Wellington tournament when we played at home. But you know, on tour we made a real massive effort to have um, you know devotional groups. So we'd have our prayer groups. We have the doors open so anyone could join in. And typically it was you know us the the the, the, the poly boys that were always in there. Um, and my 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 goal my dream was to always have. If we're on tour, they have you know the 12 travelling players all come into that room, and I think probably after about three or four years, there were a few moments when we did have the whole team in there, and I guess it's one of those things where over time, you know, the, the, the non-believers or whatever you want to call it, um, would come in and check out. You know, we'll, we'll be singing, we'll just be sharing, we'll just be giving thanks. Nothing. We went Bible bashes or anything like that. We're just like literally saying, God, you know, thanks for this opportunity to play. You know, cover the boys for me getting, you know, through. That was really awesome. And then over time, I saw Titch obviously change. So there'll be times when some of us are all heated in the moment. Um, you know, after a, a loss or a, or a win um, at a tournament, um, and you know, he'll be one to say, "Hi, right, boys, we'll come in, we'll do our prayer, you know, we'll close up in the prayer." Um, and so I really started, you know, to see, I guess, how God was working through me in terms of the platform that I was in. Because like I said, you know, I was sort of thinking I was going to be in All Blacks and 15s and all that, but the path that God put me in was in the Simmons environment where we were actually probably able to touch more people globally. Um, you know, so we'll start sharing, you know, obviously the message with you know, other countries. Other countries will see what we're doing. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, before a game, we'll walk out together, you know, hand on shoulders, just to bring that unity. And over time, you see other countries started doing that. Um, and one thing that was really probably the, the most touching for me was before a tournament, I guess you can appreciate some, uh, some teams will probably have like a real headbanging music on. Um, and I, I, I like hip hop and R&B and all that kind of music. But one thing that we, we stood by, um, me and the 2 the gym boys, was that um, before every game that would run out, we'd listen to a worship song. And so over the years, probably the, that worship song maybe changed maybe three times, but it was always the last thing that those players that you'd see play um, on TV would hear would be a, a worship song. And for me and, and a couple of other boys, that was a real touchy moment because um, those guys could say, nah, you, I mean, you know, it's not our, it's not my team. They could easily tell me to turn it off or to cut it off. Um, but there was no one that ever, and, and for as long as I was there, ever came and said to me, you know, your music sucks. <laughs> or, or your song choice sucks. Or, um, you know, cut it off. Or can we change this? Or can we change that? Um, obviously, there were some guys that might put on their own headphones and listen to whatever. But, um, you know, for 11 years that I was involved, um, the last thing that those boys heard when they ran out was, was worship music. And I guess looking about it and, um, you know, how 
I feel that you know it's our job to to, to spread the news. You know, obviously the ultimate thing for us is um, salvation. So as, as many people as we know, you know, getting saved. So I think for me, I'm not going to be that person that's going to like you know sit down with one of the boys one on one and say, man, you need Jesus. You need to do this. You need to do that. But I can trust that. Um, Little, little things like you know a worship song will be sowing seeds in these boys and I'm hoping that down the track you know there, there might be that conversation where one of the boys will say hey man that you know that music we used to listen to they got me or you know there might be that conversation down the track where they actually talk about um, you know giving their life and, and, and knowing or seeing I guess some of uh, you know Jesus blessings through some of the us believers in that team so that was probably one of the biggest things for me was just being in a in an environment where it probably wasn't normal having uh, a bunch of boys that were really sort of pushing our faith or pushing you know Christianity um, and, and really just trying to emphasize to the boys that um, there's always something bigger than, than them or, or there's always something bigger than the game and that was probably the most um, I guess awakening was when I could actually truly like walk around with a little conscience on my shoulder Obviously, you know, and that was, you know, God telling me that to try and try, and I say that, try and do things this way rather than rather than that way. I know before I obviously gave my life, that was probably the biggest thing where I didn't have a conscience and you sort of did things and whatever the repercussions were, that was it. That was, that's how we dealt with it. You know, that was part of sort of growing up. But I think now trying to, you know, instill in, in our younger generation as well is if they can have that awareness of a better way of living, of a, a better way of doing things, um, you know, that... That for me would be the best thing if I can know that my kids would grow up making half, you know, better decisions than I did when I was growing up. Then I know they're doing a good place because I turned out okay. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, it's really just trying to give, um, you know, people the opportunity to know that, you know, they can still live life by just having that conscience, which is God on your shoulder, just trying to guide you in, in, in the right direction. And so I guess if I quickly just bring it back to the PADS acronym and how it works for me now. So obviously the, the passion and my purpose doesn't change for, for my walk. So I'm passionate about God. And you know, till the day I die, I don't ever think that will change. So you know, I, love, I love Jesus, I love what he's done for me, for my family, for, for uh, what he intends to do for me. So I know that you know, there's the promises that he has in his word that are just gonna, my life is just gonna get better and better. So I, you know, people think, based on a CV, I've had a pretty good life, but I'm actually looking forward to what, what's next. Is, you know, God, there's always something bigger, you know, as long as we put our faith and we, and we trust in Him. So, still, the acronym, you know, being passionate about what we're doing, but obviously our purpose, as for me, it's my purpose as a Christian. And, and again, that's salvation and about spreading the news. Um, attitude, I guess the, the thing, and I was talking to my wife about it, is I kind of think of it like the, instead of attitude, we're talking in the Christian context, um, the B attitudes. So um, if you if you read those, I think just um, the the values. So when you're having when you think of an attitude, having the values that are going to kind of put you in the right um, path for salvation. So doing the things in in, in that sense. Um, obviously, D for discipline is the consistency that we have to try and live by as as Christians. It's you know it's a it's a it's a daily thing that we have to chip away at. It's not a it's not a magic formula, but it's you know daily. How can we keep walking? You know, in, in, in God's path. And then I guess um, S for what I said was sacrifice um, in, in this context is, is being selfless. So it's not about us. You know, it's, 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 about, it's about God and it's about others. It's about you know, sharing love and spreading love. And I guess that's a, just a slight difference between when it was pads for me when I was DJ the footy player 
um, to pads now, you know, DJ the Christian, just like everyone else. So, um, hopefully that's given you guys a little bit of a, a little bit of insight. But um, again, just appreciate you three and the team for the invitation here today. Um, awesome cultural performance. I'm hoping my kids would have seen that, and I'll, I'll be I'll be getting them practicing very soon. Um, and um, again, I'd just like to thank everyone for your time and have a blessed Sunday. Thanks.